Welcome to How It's Med, a podcast about medical innovators and case breakers. My name is Abdo. And I'm Jeff. Together, we explore the exciting stories of leaders in medicine and in the medtech industry. Hey, Abdo, have you ever heard about brain? That makes no sense, but go on. Like, what is the brain? And like, how on earth can someone dovetail cutting-edge research on non-invasive neuroimaging into founding several large-scale health technology initiatives literally on either coast of Canada? Okay, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but I'm beginning to suspect that you might be talking about Dr. Ryan Darcy. Get it? Ahead? Like brain? Head? Please explain. Let's just get started, whatever. But to bring it back from the very high level to, to you, do you personally have any stories involving risks that didn't work out or worked out? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I have lots of risks that, that haven't worked out. Um, my first attempt to get this uh, brain vital signs to market through, uh, through a technology um, was uh, I, I, I followed what I was told. They sort of said, hey, you're the scientist innovator. You, you don't know how to do business. So we're, uh, what you need to do is go get some CEO business guy to, tell, to take this to market. And I didn't understand at the time how important it was uh, to really be incredibly um, thoughtful around building your team out so that you can, yes, you can have people just like having a really good physics partner or neurosurgeon par, uh, collaborator. Um, but I, I just uh, didn't recognize the importance of having a really good business collaborator. And so our first company, uh, Mindful Scientific, um, went so high, it won the Wall Street Global Technology Showcase. Um, Canadian company won, the judges were Rupert Murdoch and Will I am and uh, Mark Cuban, um, but uh, shortly after that, um, because it didn't follow uh, hard, uh, you know proper science and technology, it it really uh, basically tanked. So that was that was uh, Health Tech Connects is actually my second attempt at it, um, and that's where I've uh, tried to do a local lot more. Uh, I think by making sure I learned the business, um, that I picked good partners, uh, have great partners in Kirk Fisher and the Lark Group. Um, and that we really, um, I didn't just give up and say, Hey, this isn't my realm. Go ahead. Take this to market. That would have been a mistake. Um, well, it was a mistake. I learned the hard way. That's, that's actually, that's super cool. Again. Uh, how then have, in your experience, have you linked academia to entrepreneurship? I'm sure you've learned skills in academia that you've ended up applying in entrepreneurship as well. Truthfully, truthfully, um, academia is not something that I've spent a lot of time in, to be honest. Uh, I, when I took, uh, when I left grad school, I went to, um, basically working in the hospitals and I've, I've worked in the hospitals or healthcare setting my entire career. The first foray into academia was when I came back to BC and I started working with, uh, through my position at SFU and, and I have appointments at UBC as well. And what I found there is that, um, uh, academia is a fan of innovation as often as a rebranded version of research. And that's okay. That's not, I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but, but the reality is that, uh, just like no two people really define intelligence the same way, no two people really define innovation the same way. And, and the way that, um, I define innovation is much more, uh, entrepreneurial and business forward. Uh, whereas in academia, it's it's much more kind of studying the problem rather than doing something about it, and and um, I think that's important. I, I think it's a, a critical area, but 
largely I've found that, um, that then, you know, our health and technology district, our company, it's all been developed in the private sector model. And that's, that's been the much more agile area to, to do the things we need to do. So then a natural follow-up question to that is that Canadians are really proud of a public healthcare sector that can at times be fragmented with different ideas about what innovation is. So what are some ideas that you have with regard to how exactly we can reconcile a uh, perhaps entrepreneurship-based attitude with regard to healthcare innovation that seems to work so well uh, in in the states, for example, with what we have in Canada, that what uh, which is what we would like to keep with a public healthcare system. Yeah, I think I think the key thing around the debate of the public healthcare system is to be wary of lazy thinking, right? Um, when we when we say we're really proud of public healthcare, you have to dive into that a little bit. And say, okay, what does that actually mean to you? I think it means to most people that they can get access to high quality care. That's what's driving them, right? And so, and they can get access in a way that's not tied to having to pay for it. And the reality is that if, if you agree with that premise and that's what you're, that's what you're really striving towards your, uh, as your objective, fundamentally, you need both private and public. And the reason you need private and public is because your public healthcare system cannot possibly spend its way out of uh, the, the, the costs of delivering the highest quality healthcare, right? We spend 50 cent tax dollars uh, today. And when we look at the magnitude of the situation, there is no way that we could possibly bankroll uh, uh, those advances. And so effectively what that means is we continue delivering care that exists. We don't necessarily deliver the care we know we could in innovation or otherwise. So if the private sector, which is a lot more nimble, can take um, something like, I'll use neurology as an example. If you go into the public sector, the level of care you get around your brain right now hasn't changed that much since the 1980s. That's not a controversial state. It really hasn't, right? Uh, there are some areas of change for sure, but the, the disconnect is that what you can do in an innovative lab around brain care and what you can get when you go in uh, to see your GP, they're very different. And it's the private healthcare side that allows you to innovate really rapidly, um, learn best practices, um, develop uh, the case for access and for um, uh, sort of public sector coverage and or insurers or what have you, and then actually download that into our public healthcare system. And so I think people have to start seeing it a little more like a, a loop where the, the, the accessible healthcare we get in the public can get actually um, improved rapidly by private uh, sector innovation. And that private sector can then bring that back into our public sector. So I think this then segues super well into the positioning of the health and tech district. Tell us more about how exactly those, I guess, that that meld between the public and private parts of innovation have really played into what you've built today. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so the first uh, technology cluster that I was involved in founding and uh, developing was the biotech cluster in Halifax. And that, that was actually a public, the idea of, of technology clusters was big and the National Research Council funded to create a, an ecosystem that brought together your healthcare uh, providers and specialists with your university technologists and, and your companies. And that worked. So that model does work. 
Um, and it's been very, I think, very effective to developing the, the biotech cluster to a world leading uh, center in, in, uh, at, that it is today. However, um, we tried something new with the health and technology district that has turned out to be, I think, an incredibly massive success. What we did is we actually led it from the private sector. Um, so Surrey Memorial in BC um, it was, is certainly a very high volume, very busy hospital. Uh, it, um, it has incredible um, burden in terms of providing care across the lifespan. Um, and large component of that are either individuals who are very young or elderly. Um, so complex care situations, right? Uh, and, uh, and it's not necessarily, it, you know, if you wind the clock back almost 10 years ago, it wasn't a university-based hospital. It is now. It has both UBC and SFU and BC Cancer. But the key part here was no government was going to go write a big check to say build a health technology cluster next to Surrey Memorial. It just wasn't going to happen. Right. And so what we wanted to do was we wanted to this, be smart about engaging the private sector. So we engaged and partnered with the Lark Group, which is a very healthcare specialized forward thinking development company in Surrey. Cares a lot about Surrey, cares about BC, cares about Canada. And they saw the vision. Uh, very, very rarely do you see a developer who can see that a technology innovation is, is a good avenue for them. So because they had all the property right next to Surrey Memorial, we could create this vision of an ecosystem that would create health technology innovations that could rapidly impact patient care. So rather than see, okay, there's a cure for this disease, it's an, an animal model, it may or may not ever make it. We focused on technology innovations that could immediately impact patient care and developing a, an ecosystem that brought together your business people with your clinicians and with your uh, technology specialists um, to really have a unified vision around that. And that has been uh, wildly successful. As I speak, it's, it's created um, incredibly large initiatives to revamp uh, the Legion with Legion's Veterans Village, which is a massive project to provide center of excellence for our veterans and our first responders. Um, it's being replicated in, across the country in New Brunswick with a health and technology district Atlantic at University of uh, uh, UNB St. John. Um, it is uh, absolutely partnered around the globe with countries like Israel and throughout the United States and Europe and what have you. We get routinely, we could start a separate business uh, touring people through the district, right? We get routinely people coming from around the globe asking us, how do you do this? The, the answer was we built it out of the private sector. We created a value proposition that was valuable to the private sector. So, so much so that they would invest and create this opportunity for companies and scientists and clinicians to come. And that made it sustainable, right? Rather than us have to get money, create an accelerator or an incubator, and then ultimately uh, come up with a, a situation whereby um, we hoped we could get more government grants. We actually created a business model that worked from the outset and then said, now come invest in us. So the, the district is, is a phenomenal juggernaut of a success. Do you actually think that the Elephant Technology District complements uh, things like uh, incubators or is it indirect competition of it? No, definitely not direct competition. We have multiple incubators and accelerators that are on site here and operate within our ecosystem. And, and so I think it very much does complement them. Yeah. And, and it most importantly complements care at Surrey Memorial Fraser Health in BC. I mean, I'll use one example. 
that whole neurosurgical simulator created uh, a Conquer Experience and Periop Sim, which is for perioperative uh, nursing training, skills training, so that you don't have to rely on getting into the OR and develop your skills and your speed and knowledge of tools and, and instruments and stuff like, and, and what have you. Um, and actually, now that the pandemic is there, it is the only way to do training uh, in this environment that is really, truly accessible. So, so that, that emerged from the health and technology district, right? As an incredibly successful company. Um, MetaOptima and Molescope, um, digital health technology company that takes a picture of your mole and uh, is completely uh, wildly successful, emerged uh, from all of this. So, so there's been a lot of really successful patient care technologies that have come from the district. That's very cool, actually. I guess to bring it back to the big picture, where do you see the health and technology district being in five years in terms of impact on BC in general, actually? Well, it's, I think it's now established itself as a world leading model for sure. Um, we have a quite a well-defined plan. We can, it's all measured out because we can actually model it based on, we're just, uh, you know, uh, basically finishing the third building now. Um, there's planned to be, uh, eight, it may be greater than eight. It may go to 10, but based on all the numbers that come from the buildings that we can successfully completed. Uh, we can model it out to be over a million and a half square feet of innovation technology space. Um, it's going to employ over 15,000 uh, high tech and high paying jobs um, in the tech industry and related in the care industry and what have you. Um, so a lot of jobs for BC. And then it, it's it's going to get, it's, it is getting replicated because the the politicians of the world, um, we, we can also model that it when it's complete, it'll input 1.1 billion into our economy annually. Right. So those are big, big numbers. And that's, that's what people want to see from technology innovation. And I think more importantly, though, we're changing outcomes. We're improving patient care and their tangible demonstrations daily. Um, where, um, in our clinics alone, in our Surrey neuroplasticity clinic, we see people come in who are LTD long-term disability. And we, um, we take that, uh, di diagnostic level away from them. They go on to have uh, high quality lives. So that's, we're doing things daily here that are just unprecedented. It's, it's really rewarding work. That sounds absolutely amazing to go from your, 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 your beginnings, liking, liking snowboarding more than school, going to neurosciences, to entrepreneurship, to where you are now, it must seem like a real long journey. Um, Close, Jeff. I'm not a snowboarder. <laughs> I'm a skier. My son's a snowboarder. So that was, those are fighting words. Ah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Forgive me. Forgive me. <laughs> Um, so, I mean, to, to wrap this off, most of the time or all the time we give our guests a chance to talk about something that's important to them. So uh, you, you have the stage. What's something that you'd like to, I guess, talk to our listeners about? Well, I, I, I mean, our goal, our, our big, hairy, audacious goal is to positively impact a billion brains. And the idea is pretty simple in my mind. Um, there's a lot of wicked problems out there that I don't know anything about are quite scary, the environments, um, the geopolitical uh, instabilities, what have you, coronavirus. Um, we need a lot of positively connected brain power uh, to, to go forward into an optimistic future. So, so what we're doing is developing the neurotechnologies that uh, allow us to know what's going on with your brain, allow us then at, at, at Health Tech Connects to um, pull that into a clinical trial and validate some new crazy awesome innovations and show they work 
and then allow us to pull that into um, a clinic that people can get access and we can scale so that these technologies can get back to our Surrey Memorial Hospitals and our public health systems. So I, I think Canada's in an incredible position to be an innovator in the neurotechnology and neuroclinical space. Thank you for listening to this episode of How It's Med. If you liked what you heard, please download and rate our episodes on whatever platform you listen on. Also, if you have any feedback on what you just heard, we'd love to hear it wherever you listen to or on our website, howitsmed.com. That way we can create better content that suits you. Until next time. Bye-bye.